name is Catalina and welcome to the Changemaker podcast. One year ago, I started interviewing people driven to create a positive impact in their communities and the world. I call them Changemakers. And as I found out, they are everywhere. They come in different shapes and sizes and have amazing and diverse backgrounds. This series of interviews have the aim to inspire you with interesting stories and give you some practical piece of advice. So if you are enjoying these discussions, make sure to follow this channel where I will be adding a new podcast every week. If you consider yourself a change maker or if you have someone in your network that you believe is a change maker, please get in touch with me and let's start a discussion. Today we have Emily Hanks, whom I met a few months ago in Amsterdam. She is the founder of Mischief Makers, a facilitation agency who aims to unlock the creative potential within people. She started her journey in theater, was a graduate and facilitator at Hyper Island, and currently is an entrepreneur aiming to spread the power of creative confidence and collaborative working. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm Emily Hicks, and I'm the founder of Mischief Makers. Uh, we're a facilitation agency, we make workshops uh, to help unlock potential within people. I'm mainly focused around um, helping unlock creative potential, so tools and techniques to help people think more creatively or um, um, have collaborative creativity, uh, creative confidence, but also ways of working. So group dynamics, team development, how to communicate and um, form uh, better as an effective team. And why is creativity so important? Mm. <laughs> Great question to kick off with. Creativity is so important. Well, uh, I think... At its core, to me, creativity is problem solving. So you have, have kind of um, the kind of more elite uh, old view of creativity being um, artistry. So a poet, a writer, a painter. Um, but I really think that uh, creativity um, is about yeah problem solving and, and seeing possibilities in the world and um, creating things to um, um, meet problems, creating solutions. Uh, one of my favorite definitions of creativity is from Sir Ken Robinson. Yeah, Mine you know. as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he says that uh, creativity is applied imagination. Every human being in the world, I believe, uh, has imagination. This is why often we talk about kids being so creative, because, of course, their imagination is so alive. Um, and if everybody has the ability to imagine things, then everybody has the ability to be creative. It's just about giving them... Um, um, the confidence, the tools, the way into it. Um, and then we can have problem solvers all over the world. So how much better would the world be if we can all spot opportunities to make things better or stronger or smoother or easier and then have the confidence and the ability to create things to meet them? Um, that's what I think creativity is and that's why I think it's so important to uh, unlock it in as many people as we can. Awesome. And where did this journey start? When was the point that you came to the conclusion, okay, now I want to start my own thing and create... A my own company, <laughs> yes. yeah. Um, I think my relationship with creativity, to go way back when, uh, where this kind of all started, was um, my background's in theatre. So when I was young, I um, um, took part in a lot of uh, shows. I was an actress. I was part of the National Youth Theatre in the UK. Um, and, well, originally I really enjoyed art, but I remember someone telling me, like, an artist isn't a real job, you can't be an artist when you grow up. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, I can't be an artist, okay, well then I have to choose something else more sensible, and somehow came upon uh, theatre. <laughs> so, you know, isn't too much of a sensible move, I guess, with that mentality. Um, but yeah, so I got really involved in theatre, it was a real outlet for me to express myself, to... Um, um, 
and create, make things in the world. I love the um, world around theatre, from rehearsals to backstage in the show, to working really closely with other people and understanding people, how people work and how to express that, relationships. It's just such a complex world. Um, and so I studied theatre at university, well, performance and cultural industries. Um, but while I was doing that, um, I started my own company, Open Theatre. And um, Open Theatre is about bringing um, local um, artists, um, directors, theatre makers, practitioners into the university and uh, kind of like <laughs> you guys are doing actually, how to connect with the actual um, theatre scene around outside of the university and empower people from within the university because a lot of people were studying different um, courses that had a lot of kind of backgrounds in training and dance and song and, and theatre making, how to um, help them share their skills with other people. That's what this platform was, platform was for. And I realised when doing that, that um, creating and building a business, a company, was also a really kind of um, a creative outlet for me. Um, there was as much creativity in that as performing in a different sense. And I found it really engaging. Um, so I was, everyone in theatre always says, if you want to do anything but, but acting, if there's anything else that interests you, do that. Because, you know, acting is so thankless. You can either be an actor or a waitress, but that's not true. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I um, literally Googled creative jobs, ended up at creative agencies, uh, crashed an open day, got an internship, um, and got into the like, advertising scene that way. Um, and then, well, I'm just giving you my whole life story, actually. <laughs> that's, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually very interesting, you know, how... how the initial idea that you wanted to be, you know, an actress or you want to be in theatre and then it turned out completely different. So it's quite interesting just to see this connecting. Yeah, the backstory. Yeah. yeah. And that's really kind of where it started, I think, for me, the this trail from knowing that I wanted to um, express my creativity and was trying to find a way to do that, a place to do that. And that kind of led me to, through that winding route, um, to Hyper Island. Uh, where there's obviously a lot of transferable skills from theatre and creating device theatre, working in chorus, working with um, um, a stimulus and creating something uh, with workshops and with facilitation and collaborative creativity. How do you get a group of different people from different backgrounds working on a shared problem to um, create something great together? Um, and that's where that kind of sweet spot came in for me. Almost as soon as I stopped studying at Hyper Island, I started working for them, creating workshops and facilitating delivering sessions for the students, but also for corporates. And I, that was, uh, yeah, I did that. I came to Amsterdam to launch Hyper Island in Amsterdam and led a program here on experience design. Um, switched for a little while into startup bootcamp to kind of create the same type of work, but for startups and for corporates. Um, yeah, and it got to a point where I realized a lot of what I was creating was um, um, new material. I was really kind of bringing in my background from theater to things that I'd read to my understanding of facilitation and, and weaving those that together in workshops and programs. Um, and I thought, hey, if I'm doing this for other companies, then I can do it for myself. Um, and so Mischief Makers was born. <laughs> <laughs> nice. How was your experience as a female entrepreneur? Mm. How's, yeah. <laughs> yeah I think that yeah it's interesting I um I think there's a bit of a change not just on being a female entrepreneur but being um um reasonably young like I was always kind of a bit of a like a young when I started out the Hyper Island program I was the same age as some of my students so I think um being young and starting something like that also is maybe as a female I'm 
like my style of facilitation or my way of working is very, um, I, as I think everyone should be when they're facilitating, is very authentic. And therefore, I'm very uh, smiley and bubbly and I have a lot of energy and I play a lot. I think play is so important, particularly with um, unlocking creativity. Um, and so I think that that is one of the things that's um, um, not difficult to introduce into the workspace, but um, difficult to become comfortable with yourself. To accept that you can be in a room of um, um, yeah, grey-haired, um, suited, you know, white middle-class males, and be there uh, um, as a young, bouncy, smiley um, um, female, and feel like as legitimate being there as as they are, like, uh, and and not trying to then start to act like um, someone you're not, like, uh, um, to become kind of harder and more serious. Um, I would have been kind of doing myself an injustice or not being myself. Um, and I think becoming comfortable with that has been um, not the biggest challenge. I've always tried to embrace it, but one of the biggest things to um, get used to experiencing. Do you think? Would you say then authenticity is absolutely essential? You know, also for instance, how would you relate that to educational setting? Let's say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think authenticity is um, a superpower if you can understand who you are and um, stay true true to who you are um, in any walk of life, then I think that already sets you above the rest. It's a difficult thing to do. Um, and I think it's integral to facilitation. Um, if you want people to um, trust you and feel safe around you, and if you want to lead a group, then you're asking them to be their best selves. Um, um, you can't expect that from them if you're not willing to kind of do that as well. Um, and like I said, my one of my my, my program manager, my um, old boss, who is amazing, Max Larkham, he um, his facilitation style is very um, steady and calm, not serious. He's he's quite cheeky, but he he's very like stoic and like a rock, very yeah. Um, and when I was first facilitating, um, I tried to be like him and be steady and calm. And I just, I, it, you don't get, you don't build that connection um, um, with the group as if um, when you're yourself, my, another colleague I work with at Hyper Island, Tash Wilcox, an incredible woman. Um, and she is the, like a little pixie of energy and um, runs around the room and is like a trouble, you know, a fire starter. Um, and seeing her kind of gave me that, that um confidence to be able to um um yeah em, em, embrace my style uh where did that question come from what oh authenticity, authenticity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where, what have I got on a tangent to um yeah authenticity so um when you're creating workshops or you want to bring out the best in people to unlock potential um it's all about building a connection with the group or a connection with the individual participant and I don't think you can do that unless you're being your authentic self um and especially when you're working in education, um, in, in programs, bespoking, uh, uh, learning is bespoke, or it should be bespoke. Everyone has their different learning styles, and you shouldn't be asking people to conform to fit themselves into um, um, a, a way of learning or into um, um, a, a stream or a certain way of acting. Um, then you're lo- losing potentially some of their, their unique magic potential. Um yeah, so I think it, it, authenticity is important to um, um, promote that with your students and with your participants as well, that you should be exactly who you are and it's up to us as educators to find the way of unlocking exactly who you are rather than making you be, you know, a cookie cutter. You should be like student A, this is what successful student is, make yourself be like this. It's like what is success to you? 
um, what is you being fulfilling all of your potential. Nice. How do we motivate educators to have this energy, for instance, that you have? Because, I mean, maybe you can make also like a comparison between traditional education and Hyper Island, for instance, and see and elaborate more on how, you know, why why is this energy missing, do you think, in traditional educational institutions? Yeah. I think it's hard. I think traditional education has so much um, uh, pressure on them from um, the wider structures. So they do have, like... Um, um, targets to me and they're being really I can understand that um, things need to be formatized and systematized to be able um, to maintain the quality and um, there's there's re- reasoning behind it so I think it's not about this more traditional educators I think almost everyone that gets into teaching has that energy or that passion or drive behind them I think it's the system around them that isn't um, allowing them to be as um, uh, this type of you know alternative education where you can be more workshop based where you can be more bespoke they don't have as much freedom and time to um, give to each individual student because of just the pressures that are upon them so I think that the system is the thing that needs to change rather than the educators Mm -hmm. Um, so I do think that there are things that we can do to help um, more traditional education um, um, deliverers teachers Mm -hmm. Um, so we have with Mischief Makers a facilitation training program Um, uh, and Facilitation is still like Reddit. I mean, it's not new at all, but it's like, you know, design thinking isn't new, but it's has been new. Um, but um, facilitation is something that's quite in vogue. Um, managers being coaches instead of um, managers and um, there being workshops instead of lessons. And yeah, um, so a need for facilitation. But the uh, main type of training and facilitation that's out there at the moment um, are boot camps. So you go and do a two-day boot camp and then you can facilitate afterwards. Um, but you wouldn't go to a two-day boot camp to learn piano. Uh, you know, I've done two days in piano and now I'm a pianist. <laughs> you know, or in football, I've done a, a two-day thing in football and now I can be a professional football player. Um, so that's our thinking a little bit around facilitation training, that um, it is something that can be trained and that just we need to empower more people to go out and um, um create um, experience-based learning um, and applied learning um, programs and experiences. Let's empower them to do that by training and facilitation. Um, Facilitation um, skills are very much developed by just experience, having led workshop over workshop after workshop. So we're going to create a six-month program. We we have created a six-month program um, where it's like an evening class. And people can get together. We'll have the first half of the session um, introducing tools and techniques around um, um, workshops and um, lesson planning, curriculum planning, learning journey planning. Um, And then the second half will have applied learning. So we'll be putting um, um, the power into the uh, participants' hands and asking them to put together workshops that we'll kind of run through together. Um, And halfway through, we'll have... um, um, uh, the participants build um, uh, workshops that will, they'll be assessed on, that we'll give them feedback on, and then at the end there'll be a showcase of a workshop in each of their kind of workplaces that they deliver. So what is kind of your target audience then? What kind of participants are you looking for? And then once they develop these workshops, for whom are they, in which kind of settings yeah. can apply them? So the people we're looking to attract um, are people who already have uh, an interest in this area, who are already, they're not completely um, um, green, they are working in education or working in programs um, or, um, like I said, some um, managers or people within um, workplaces that want to become more coaches or more facilitative around their company culture and ways of working. Um, 
So we're targeting it towards individuals like that that want to kind of level up. Um, because like I said, a lot of people that contact us are like, okay, but we need a facilitator in our company. Or I want to facilitate more. How do I do that? And my answer is always just go and build some workshops and go and find places to deliver them. Connect with networks, connect with schools, connect with, like, run a workshop in your company. Um, and so that experience-based learning is really important, but there isn't somewhere else for them to turn right now. Um, so we want to be that platform and create that. Um, and then in terms of where they would go and then deliver those workshops into, I think it should be schools and programs and people who want to create um, um, change and new ways of working inside their companies. Why do you think it's important for these kind of people who are professionals to bring those workshops in schools, for instance? Oh, wait, right, to have industry experts yeah. going to schools. Yeah, yeah, it's the most important because, <laughs> yeah, um, you... Um, the way that Hyper Island works specifically, for example, is they receive a client brief uh, and they receive, uh, and then an industry expert will guide them through answering that client brief by introducing um, kind of some of the most in-demand skills of, of um, the day. Um, so design thinking, for example. Um, you want someone who is out there on the front line working in design thinking day out and day, day in and day out with clients because then they know the nuances. They know that actually applying this tool in this way is difficult when it's actually um, there in front of a client. This one works. This one doesn't. This is how we've tweaked it. This is how we've adapted it. Um, um, this is what people are interested in. This is what it's like out in the real world. Um, that's why it's so important to have those industry experts who are engaging with it every day rather than people who, um, again, it, there, there are pros and cons um, to, to more traditional education, but it's, it is more academic and it's more um, and theoretical. Um, whereas when we come out of university, we're going into the workplace. How many people that are graduating university are going back in and becoming researchers and academics? But that's what we're kind of geared towards, trained towards in university. University should be empowering us or preparing us um, to work with other people. Like, you know, usually when you get a group assignment at a university, everyone's like, ugh, like, you do chapter one, you do chapter two, like, ugh. like everyone hates it. They're the ones that, like, so one person always ends up doing all of the work or, you know, like, it, it, it's got such a bad rep and for good reason. Like, um, I, I hated, like, group projects when I was in my first, uh, my first study. Um, but, yeah, I think that that's what universities should be responsible for um, now, actually empowering us to the reality of what we're going into when we're going to have managers. So why would our managers lead us and train us and develop us when we're working? Why not start that earlier and have them come and guide us and train us when we should be getting guided and trained? <laughs> yeah, it totally makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so what, uh, what would you say are other advantages of schools like Hyper Island and other alternative education institutions? Um, and where do you see this going, for instance, in the next five to ten years is all kind of is this kind of um, new education alternative education is going to replace you know what we have or how in your vision will this evolve mm -hmm. I don't know if alternative education is going to replace um, traditional education but I do think it's going to hold traditional education accountable I think it's going to um, um, require traditional education to change because more and more people um, um, will be attending alternative education schools because of the opportunity to do that experience-based applied learning because these alternative uh, education systems right now um, what they're offering that's so attractive is um, we're making you real world ready 
we're actually giving you um, the skills, the tools, the experience you need to make you um, stronger when you enter into the workforce. Whereas I think certainly in my generation and most of my friends and people now are coming out of university like, woo, what do I do now? Like, what, what am I, uh, uh, what am I going to work as? How do I apply for jobs? Um, um, what are my skills relevant for? We talk a lot about like transferable skills. And of course, so many skills that you're learning in university are completely um, applicable and transferable. But you're not really told how, when and where. I mean, maybe, yeah, you go out and figure it out for yourself, but I really thought graduating in performance and cultural industries, I could be an actress, I could work in the theatre, or, uh, yeah, I could be a waitress. Like, I really, I was just like, like, I wanted to get into advertising, and I was like, why would why would a creative department hire me? Like, I, I've, I've trained in performance and cultural industry. Cultural industries is already a clue in the name, but they, this, my course never prepared me for, here's what the industry looks like. Here are different roles within the industry. Here are different ways that um, the skills, or, or, or ask me, where and how do you think that you can apply the skills that you've learned here into the industry? They're just not having those kind of dialogues. Um, Would you say then that skills matter more than the name of the diploma that you're receiving by the end? I mean, you could receive, for instance, you received a diploma in cultural uh, industries, industries, but then you applied it to entrepreneurship, you know? Mm. Would you say that eventually this could evolve into just teaching people skills rather than degrees? (laughs) Yeah, I think that would be a a brilliant evolution. Like, I think that, um, yeah, there's the idea of traditional education that's kind of like empty bucket. You know nothing, I'm going to fill you up with all the information you need and you're going to repeat it back to me. Um, versus a really like um, um, like a, a seed in a piece of soil and we're going to kind of grow all, the, all that you can be. Um, and I think that if we, students are the, they're at university, they're smart, they're driven, they are full of potential, give them a challenge give them the tools that they need to meet that challenge and then foster and support and empower them in order to do that. Um, and therefore, maybe maybe types of challenges you're given and maybe you're going into a degree or a track based on the type of challenges you're going to encounter. Um, but yeah, I don't think... What's the difference between um, uh, uh, theatre studies and performance and cultural industries and, you know, <laughs> the, uh, yeah. English literature and English... Yeah. Um. How would you envision an ideal educational system? How would education would look in your ideal world? Um, how would education look in my ideal world? I think that early on, um, so way earlier in the, like the, a lot of the education, alternative education programs we're talking about now are reaching people in higher education, often after they've come out of university, or at least the programs that I've been um contributing to and engaging with I think if we can um really early on um from primary school um or whatever it is in in England it's primary school um keep the students um owning their own education um so as humans we want to learn we're programmed to um um, be curious and want to understand more about the world around us and so if we keep um, um, young students engaged in shaping their own education what do you want to learn about 
um, um, what is interesting today? Um, how can we um, make um, learning this maths technique relevant to um, whatever it is you're like deep diving into today um, and, and help you learn that skill or that technique by bringing it to what you're interested in? Um, I think if, if we do that, then we're going to have like an incredible next generation of people that aren't, don't only have the competencies to um, read and write and do mathematics and do those things, but also are genuinely interested and engaged with the world around them. Um, so I think, yeah, that kind of bespoke learning, however we um, um, are able to facilitate it, um, is a really important thing. But also for me, um, with my background in theatre and Hyper Island and workshop design and delivery, uh, really interactive, participatory education, where it's never going to be about you sit there and listen to me tell you what I know. It's going to be um, um, engage in this with me. Make something with someone. Um, um, if, 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 use these tools at hand. Use your hands. Use your voice. Use your eyes. Move about the room. Um, teach one another. Like a lot of what we do with um, alternative education, the programs that we um, lead is how can we? Um, there are people that are really really get it. That they really understand the content, and then there's the people that are um, um, kind of maybe on the other end and are struggling. If we empower these people who really get it to um, help lead and teach and develop uh, the other side, um, then both sides benefiting. Um, because one of the uh, best retention rates for, um, um, for knowledge is by uh, teaching it to someone else. We retain the most information if we've taught someone else what we know. So we're really helping out these guys who otherwise might be disengaged because they get it. Um, and we're helping out the people that are struggling more because they're hearing it directly from their peer who maybe has a better understanding of the process they need to go through to understand and develop that skill. Um, and everyone in the class remains engaged, um, um, not based on um, um, their level of understanding. Um, what would you say is the most fascinating thing about working with people? <laughs> What's the most fascinating thing? Um... Or what kind of is your drive, you know, like, because you're a facilitator, you work with people all the time, what, you know, keeps you going, what drives you, okay, I want to do it today again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's just that people at the core are um, all the same, and people want to um, be connecting with other people and realizing, like, their potential. Um, so if someone's like struggling on a problem and then solves it, or if someone's really um, um, enjoying working on something uh, with, with someone else, um, I think it's just like such a joy to see people enjoying uh, uh, learning because all learning is, is understanding each other and the world um, and ourselves better. Um, so I think what keeps me going is just those experiences of like with mischief makers, we're called mischief makers because we are about... Um, that hard work, uh, hard work doesn't have to mean um, um, being serious. Um, I've experienced over and over again, I'm conducting some research on it now, the power of positivity and play in, um, in, in work and in um, um, workshops and in learning. Um, so for every day, I just get to go and play with people and have people laugh and joke around and uncover who they are and connect with other people. Um, so I think it's just that, yeah, at the core, whether it's like, board men um, 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 board level um, executives or um, um, or artists or young children or yeah like uh, everyone enjoys like getting to play together you give them an excuse or a reason to be able to be silly and playful and and 
get real results out of that. You're like, okay, we've actually done some real serious, amazing work here, but we've had loads of fun when we've done it. This feels like we're cheating. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Um, How would you define a change maker? A change maker, I think... um, I watched a really good um, documentary yesterday about Gloria Allred. Yeah. Uh, do you know about it? Yeah, she um, she's amazing about um, um, a woman who's been an advocate for women's rights and um, yeah. Um, and I think it was about um, um, people who can um, spot something that needs to happen in the world, and rather than critiquing it or complaining about it or feeling sad or begotten or anything about it, um, to just step up and say, okay, I'm gonna do what I can to fix it or to meet it or to, to yeah, change. Um, I think a change maker for me is just someone who, no matter how hopeless or impossible or difficult it seems, will just continually take steps to just move a fraction or hopefully a leap or a jump um, in the right direction. Um, so I think it's about being proactive and resilient um, as well, the capacity to say, okay, even if I just make a dent, that's enough, I'm going to keep trying. Um and also, I think the people that can bring other people onto that mission with them. I think a change change never happens with one person. Um, and any great change maker, I hope, would, would know that as well. Um, so I think, yeah, people who are able to inspire um, others and, and, and bring them on a journey with them. Um, so spotting the opportunity, being proactive about doing it, but also engaging, like making this a shared problem or a shared opportunity. <laughs> Along the same lines, how would you define impact? Mm. Impact, I think it's when a shift starts to happen that can't be ignored. Um, So it isn't um, kind of um, a lone moment. Um, It's something that has like a a ripple effect. Um, So it can be a small thing or a small change, but that then um, um, creates a movement um, um, and means that yeah, people have to become accountable or responsible or um, take notice and recognize that something needs to be done or something is being done or that there's an opportunity or potential here. Um, so I think impact is um, maybe for me, impact is like the start, like the first domino you push. <laughs> nice. Um, would you say that every entrepreneur is a change maker? Um, no, I don't think I would. I think, um, entrepreneurship is about, um, creating and, um, building a business, a company, an organization, um, creating something. And I think it doesn't always, that doesn't always, always have to be matched to, um, changing something. Maybe you're adding to something that's existing or maybe, um, hey, doing something that's already been done. You can still be an entrepreneur. Um, um, maybe it's got a twist to it, but I think, yeah, for me, change makers and entrepreneurs, I think a lot of entrepreneurs can be change makers and are change makers, but I don't think they're um, exclusive or one and the same. When are entrepreneurs change makers? Uh, yeah, I think it's when <laughs> I think it's when they spot or they're working within uh, a genuinely a genuine opportunity to have impact. Um, and I don't know, I st- I, maybe that's um, not accurate, but in my head, change maker um, has something to do with bigger societal impact, um, to do with uh, 
social good or maybe the global goals or, or making the world a better place. Um, whereas maybe really a change maker is just anyone who's bringing any change about, whether for, for good or bad. <laughs> but I think that, um, you know, if it's we're being pernickety about it, um, <laughs> no, I think a change maker has to be connected to um, getting to grips with a wicked problem and not being intimidated by that and um, leaning into it, I think. Do you consider yourself a change maker? <laughs> I would love to be a change maker. I think um, maybe within education or in, um, I don't know. I hope I'm a change maker and I, I, I would love to work to, to um, become what, one. What was the change you want to achieve then within education, for instance? Yeah, yeah. So with, with education for me um, or with... Um, facilitation it's really about creating um experiences that can unlock people's potential and encouraging yeah so maybe i'm a change maker encouraging as many um programs or um or courses or companies even to um bring the best out of their people and to allow those people to be all that they can be through embracing um um yeah autonomy and experience-based learning so yeah i guess i am a change maker in that <laughs> Nice. How would you define success? Mm. Um, success. Oof. I think it's a little bit like happiness. You know, everyone talks about um, that it's not like an end goal, um, that happiness isn't this end state that you want to get to be into. And I think it's the same for me with success. It's not something that I'm striving towards. This is what success is for me. I think if you get to do what you um, love every day, especially if like I'm in the really like a uh, lucky position that what I love doing every day is also um, 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 something that um, is good for other people that other people it, it's something making other people feel good is making me feel good and I get to do that every day and therefore success is right now uh, I get to yeah do the thing I love and and through that make the world a little bit of a better place I hope nice yeah um What was your biggest learning so far, would you say? Or did you have any eye-opening moment within this whole journey? Let me think about that one. Biggest learning. Um, yes. There's many, let me think. Mm. There's something circling around my head around... Uh, you hear a lot, um, and to go back to your earlier question, about female entrepreneurs as well. Um, about this thing of like of imposter syndrome um, and I think uh, uh, it ties into a lot of what I've been saying actually around like authenticity that um, the more kind of um, comfortable um, you are with your own style of working and the more you embrace um, um, not trying to fit to different um, um, status quo or, um, or conform then the better and the easier and the more enjoyable work becomes Um, so I think, yeah, backing yourself, backing myself has been one of the um, um, most enlightening um, um, and uh, uh, best ways to improve and to deliver better work than that I've experienced. So, yeah. How do you get to this comfortable place? I mean, even, for instance, self-reflection and, you know, personal development is such a big theme right now. But 
how do people how do you would you say people should start exploring who they are and when do you know that okay this is me <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I think um, it takes it's hard work and it's something that is an ongoing process I don't think there's ever like oh I've got myself now done I can be, I can be me um, I think you hit the nail on the head where it's a bit about self-reflection um, and regularly reflecting with mischief makers we of course practice what we preach so we do um, at the end of every workshop or every program um, or while we're working we do reflections and we share them with one another we give each other feedback we invite our participants to give us feedback um, so getting a bigger picture of yourself a better understanding of yourself I think is a big part of that through self-reflection or through inviting feedback from others um, so knowing yourself is a big important part of it I think um, but also just um, um, I guess becoming comfortable with um, trying out okay I, I think that this is, is something that will work or, or, or um, I find this interesting maybe others would as well and just like I said backing yourself and being like okay so post this thing or try out that experiment and 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 check in with yourself on how it feels afterwards so I think daring to um put your voice out there um is a really big part of it as well as self-reflecting and understanding yourself I think it's speaking up um and and seeing how that feels um for you not about the response that you get from it often even it's different when you're asking for feedback from your colleagues or from your participants but I think how does it feel for you to speak up and do you feel like you're being authentic and is that something you want to do more when was a moment in your life when you realized okay now I want to speak up or now like I cannot shut up I need to speak <laughs> up or when was the moment when you thought okay I need to change this where is this kind of intrinsic motivation to make this world a better place come, mm. is coming from <laughs> yeah um it's interesting because with the background in theater i'm also the youngest of four uh, of a, like a big rowdy family so speaking up per se hasn't always <laughs> been um hasn't always been uh, the big the toughest thing but i was doing a lot of things without realizing that that's what i was doing when i was in hyper island I have I had a lot of opinions and i would speak them out like when we had um um group activities then i would speak up and that was one of the first places that we would do so many like group reflections and often people said it, it empowers me when you um when you speak out because it was something that I wanted to say and I didn't feel like I could say it um and so that was a little bit of a push for me that um that okay I um in speaking out and be and from from being on the stage and not being afraid to like uh show my voice I sh that's part of me that I should maybe um push forward more um And also we uh, we speak a lot about having like your tennis ball, your thing that just like keeps coming back to you and um, that you like whenever, whatever job you're in, whatever role you're in, whatever you're doing, this like thing keeps appearing. And for me, it was all about um, equality, like everyone having the right to have a say and to be heard um, and to um, um, be involved or included. Um, and so with the creative industries, for example, Um, I just know so many people who are so smart and so creative and have such potential that are in jobs that they're just stifled by or they're not um, they're not enjoying and, and it's just hard like watching them and just being like But you you you'd have a great time over here in this industry and then on the other hand you have the industry um, that are looking for people from different backgrounds um, and we all know that the best ideas come from inviting people from different backgrounds and perspectives onto the same problem And um, that's where innovation is really happening, where the great stuff is coming from. 
but you have quite a homogeneous um, pool of people in the creative industries because of the way our education system is set up. Um, um, I'm from the north of England where um, there isn't as much or there wasn't before as much of a creative industry around. So my teachers and my parents and my friends' parents weren't in this industry. You just don't have an understanding or an exposure to it. Um, so you have an industry here that's quite homogeneous. You have these amazing people with loads of talent and potential that's struggling to know where to place it. Um, I think I just could see that over and over and over again. And it was just like, like we said, I'm talking about change makers before. Um, I think it's seeing that problem or seeing an issue and rather than complaining about it being like, when's someone going to come and do something to fix this? It's like, okay, well maybe, maybe I can. Um, <laughs> and I, and like I said, the type of jobs that I've been taking like with Hyper Island, they were, they fit, they fit within that. And that's why it was such um, a great experience working with Hyper Island because it matched my intrinsic um, values so well. Um, and I, that's more of what I want to do with, with Mischief Makers and all the projects we're working on, they all come back to how do we bridge the gap between people with a lot of potential and um, places where they can unlock that. Nice. And finally, mm -hmm. uh, what would be your advice for young people, you know, just starting kind of at the beginning of their, uh, let's say, career, but also like learning journey? What would you be, what would be the advice for them? Um, I think to um, try out loads of different things. Um, there's this idea that everyone should like have their passion and their purpose and their thing in life that they're supposed to do. Um, maybe some people do and that's brilliant um, but I really believe in there's a great talk from a woman called Emily Wapnick um, on multi-potentialites and she says that like this idea is quite stifling in our society that people are supposed to know what they want to go and do and, and follow that path whereas actually if you're really into taekwondo one day and then you're into coding the next and then cooking like the next um, you can take pieces from these different disciplines or these different areas and um, um, maybe make some incredible dish or like a new taekwondo move, or, you know, like uh, creativity at its core is really about making connections between different things. Um, and I think if people go out and try, um, or if young people go and try loads of different things, um, then they can start to see a pattern in, okay, these are the parts of different things that I enjoy. Or, um, or maybe I know what I don't like and I know that I really like this, but they're never going to know unless they go and expose themselves to, um, yeah, as much as they can, whether through, through trying things themselves or talking to different people, just like dive into exploring as much of the industry um, or the world as they can. Um, and then they can make a more informed decision about uh, where they want to study or where they want to be when they grow up, but also to not worry about what they want to be when they grow up. Some of the most inspiring, incredible people that I know, um, um, well into their career, don't know what they want to be when they grow up. They're just following the things that feel right at each time. Um, yeah, maybe that's the biggest piece of advice that I give. Like, follow your gut. Like, all of my big decisions have been stupid in theory. Like, uh, do you want to go to Amsterdam and launch Hyper Island in two weeks? You've never been there before. You've never done this before. Like, yes. My gut says yes. Like, uh leaving quitting my last job without knowing what it was gonna um before I got that hyper island one two days later. I was like, I know I wanna quit. I don't know why, but I'm just gonna quit. Like um your gut is smarter than you sometimes I think. Um so follow your gut. Awesome. <laughs> Great ending. <laughs> <laughs>
everyone for listening. This is the Changemaker podcast, a series of interviews with people driven to create a positive impact in their communities and the world. If you like this episode, make sure to reach out. Stay positive, follow your dream, and make this world a better place. See you next week.